sometimes. Good morning, good morning. Very uninteresting background, isn't it? Let's move you across. Oh, no, I'll move you across. Good morning, it's Friday. It's Friday and it's got that Friday feel. It's really dark and grim and miserable here, which I love. I love the weather when it's like this. Does anyone else? Oh, now I've got a table leg between my legs. Does anyone else find that really annoying when there's lots of people come round and your chair is right next to the table leg? The table leg of pain. Uh, hi, Ash Ashley. Thank you so much. Of course, yes, thank you. It's our 21st wedding anniversary, which is incredibly kind. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you for all of your lovely messages. Um, obviously, we're gonna be partaking in the Instagram show of love at some point today. Um, but uh, before that, um, oh, bless you, Ashley. Such, such kind words, very sweet of you. Elaine Denny, thank you, thank you, thank you. Cold in Suffolk, ADC, is it indeed? Uh, Ellery Jones, happy anniversary, thank you. Lisa Payne, oh. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna make it to 22, that's for sure. 21 years married, and this October, 19 years sober. Chin chin. We crammed a lot into those two years. Oh, Christ, that's like... Oh, look at all these messages. That's so kind of you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Very kind. Thank, thank you, Russ. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you, Louise. Maisie Eve. Maisie Eve? Yeah, Maisie Eve, yes. Uh, Monster Mash. Uh, thank you so much. Monster Mash 654. Hope you're well. Faith Goodman. Thank you so much. Uh, lovely and sunny in Wales. Um, lovely to have you here, Monster Mash. Bloopy, <laughs> I like your name, Bloopy. Well done, Mark. Thank you so much. You would have got less for murder, Mark. Shadow my life. I said to Nadia the other day, I said, isn't it funny this line that people use? You get less for murder. Um, it's curious, isn't it? Um, how are we all? Thanks, Tez. Hope wedding preps are going well. Lovely, sunny in the lovely and sunny in the east of Scotland. It's it's. What's that? Fecking blazing sun here. Thank you, Siobhan. Um, thank you so much. Cloudy in Cornwall. Carla Hatcham. Oh, anyone who's listening on podcast, I am reading out the comments from our beloved followers, family guests, subscribers on our YouTube channel. That's what you're hearing me do. I'm not, I haven't gone into some random alternate universe where I just start saying weird shit. Though, I, I am going to listen to this back just on podcast when I'm driving later, uh, just to hear how random it sounds. Um, so if you are listening on podcast, welcome to Coffee Moaning. It's Friday morning. Traditionally, we usually run with the older hashtag fuck off Friday. Well, I don't, let's say hashtag fuck off Friday. But I really don't want to fuck off this Friday because I won't say. Um, <laughs> uh, it's Friday. And so, yes, it's 21 years. I mean, there's so much to reflect on there. So much to reflect on. I'm not going to because, of course... The news is all about what? Tell me what the news is about, guys. Already bored with Philip Schofield playing the victim, says Tra-la-la. Interesting, interesting. Um, Phil needs to go away, says Gabrielle. On my sick bed with kidney stones, Steffi. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, that's awful. Um, Jew Osla, when will you be going to the... The PA box gets delivered, so, but we haven't had anything for a while. But um, let, let me check with Tim, our postman. Uh, we're going to get to the vape. I mean, all sorts of... Someone said on the phone last night, what kind of times are we living in? I mean, I think one has to moderate all of it. I mean, it's on the front of most of the papers, and one has to remember that, um, yeah, bloody Phil again, someone says, this is the rarefied world of telly, but because it's such a mainstream show, because he's such a household name, because, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it just is. It just is capturing everyone's imagination, right down to 
the BBC's lighting department, who saw fit to bring in some of the most austere, moody, kind of succession-style lighting setup for, um, for Philip Schofield's interview. Now, this seems like an odd angle in. I, the, the angle I want to approach, he's, he's done two interviews, uh, one with the BBC, I think it's being aired tonight, isn't it? But it's pretty much been aired everywhere already. Uh, and one for The Sun. Um, and what you have to understand about these things is, when these interviews happen, they're not just happening as a sort of sudden thing. There's a lot of strategy that goes into these things. Strategy not only by him, and albeit that, you know, it's reported everywhere that everyone's dropped him, he will still have a team. Uh, you can drop someone and still be... still work for them, if you know what I mean. Um, and there will be strategies around the channels and I quite, that are carrying the interviews. I quite like often to start with the strategy around who's doing the interviews first, because it's kind of obvious what Scof is wanting to do. And it's kind of obvious in a weird way what Scof is going to say. Though I think there are some parts of what he said today that are particularly... Um, I don't know, just particularly interesting and worthy of our discussion. Oh, it aired at 6am, okay. Um, yeah, ran through most of it, it's, it's, yeah. So, here's the thing. Why have the BBC done the interview? I was surprised that the BBC did the interview because all they were ever going to get from him was, um, you know, what he gave us, which is denial, explanation and an opportunity to potentially spread um, doubt in certain areas of the story. And when I say doubt, I don't even necessarily mean doubt that's without justification. So for example, it doesn't surprise me that he's talked about the homophobia because there is homophobia baked into a lot of people who are gunning for him. Um, he's also, and he's also obviously, we're going to talk about it in a bit, he's also invoked uh, the Caroline Flack um, situation, which for those of you who don't know, obviously was a TV presenter who was involved in a moment of domestic violence. Um, and there's a lot of kind of, uh, there's a lot of debate over how that was reported, how that was dealt with, and how that was managed by the police, who themselves have actually apologised to Caroline Fleck's uh, family. Um, and she sadly and tragically took her life. So, yeah. So why did the BBC, why do you, why did the BBC do this? Is it a simple case of ratings? Could be. Is it a bit of schadenfreude? Obviously, BBC uh, hugely damaged their own brand with the Jimmy Savile story. Uh, so it's kind of like, ha, this is someone at ITV, uh, our opportunity. But let's not forget, Scoth was at the BBC for many, 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 many years. I, I, I like the interviewer. I forget his name. What's his name? The interviewer. I, I, like, I like the cut of his jib. I like his tone. I like the fact that he's quite, unsen you know, he's quite sort of calm in the way that he does the interview. Um, what's his name? Amol Rajan. But, and I'm gonna take you back, I'm gonna take you back. Why did they choose this kind of lighting? And it seems ludicrous, 
But when you make films and when you get a film school, all this kind of stuff matters. What is the set dressing? What is the scene? What are we trying, what mood are we trying to suggest here? So, you know, were the BBC trying to pretend or make it look like they were being really interrogative? Were perhaps the BBC thinking to themselves, this is a piece of fluffy entertainment story, which is a bit unpalatable and not particularly pleasant, but if we use grey lighting and we use blinds, this suddenly feels a bit more panorama-y. This feels a bit more journalistic-y and all that kind of stuff. Um, don't know. Um, I've, you know, in terms of how he presented himself, uh, same lighting as Andrew, you know, in terms of how he presented himself, Philip, very low-key, very small, very, I mean, he is quite small, isn't he? Very sort of diminutive, incredibly tiny voice, incredibly vulnerable. Who, who, I want to say bought it, but that kind of suggests I don't believe it. You could not be a human being and not be feeling some of the heat here. Um, but let's ask a simple question. Let's ask a simple question. Did you believe Philip in either of his interviews? I mean, the interview he gave for The Sun, well, we'll get to The Sun in a minute, actually. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, well, okay, so yeah, ratings, okay, wanting to get the story. What has been said in that interview that, that we wouldn't have expected him to say? Has he said anything we wouldn't have expected him to say in that interview? I can't think of anything I wouldn't have expected him to say. Kim Lawrence, we'll get to the vape in a moment. He didn't have his vape, did he, for the BBC? I suppose it's because it's the BBC. Um, let's have a look. Piers Morgan asking us to forgive Philip. I'm just waiting for him to blame Megan for this mess. Okay, Piers is asking for forgiveness. Uh, wants some ash, sick to the back teeth of him, got what he deserved. Timing couldn't be worse for him with what happened with his brother last week. Elizabeth Gordon, I thought he was being honest. Amfran, I found myself believing him until I stepped back and thought logically, it's all protecting himself. Where I thought the journalist was very good was he gave a very sort of calm and measured run through of the narrative and said, how isn't this grooming? Um, and you could see that Philip was kind of, oh, well, when you sort of run through it like that, it doesn't look good. There's so much to talk about and so much to unpack in this. And I don't think it, I don't think it serves anyone to, just to jump in and sort of just boot and kick for the sake of it. You might like Philip, you might not like Philip. You know, he's got, he's, he gets very animated in the Sun interview about the suggestion that he was, he was the cause or creator of a toxic work environment. Um, but, uh, but, you know, so, so, you know, try not to let that, let's just look at what's being said and what's, what, what the worries are and what the concerns are. Um, when the interviewer asked him and sort of stepped him through stuff, is not what's at the heart of all of this, not the fact that he had solely, though there is questions to be asked, an inappropriate in terms of age and power balance relationship with someone at work, that in and of itself, you know, and as he says, in a consensual fashion, the first thing happened in his wardrobe, um, isn't the nub of this about how he came to know him 
and for how long he knew him and what the nature of that relationship was. Surely that is the number of it. Now, you, you know, ITV could then very rationally say, well, yeah, that's outside our purview. That happened prior to him joining, joining the company, etc. But it, it actually becomes within their purview because, of course, then this person became an employee and then sexual activity clearly happened on the premises. Um, so, shadow my life. The man has done interviews for years. He knows how to play the game. Okay, well, you know, a lot of people are feeling that. Faith Goodman, I don't believe him at all. Is it, is that not the absolute nub of it? How he got to the position where it's not, for example, it's not as if, it's not as if his relation, their relationship started simply at the point that this person started working for ITV. And that's the problem. Isn't that the pro Isn't that where people are getting uh, a bit kind of, you know, hang on, this doesn't doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. It fe it's the lead-in. It's not. I think people are trying to. I think what's trying. What, what's being done here is there. There's an attempt to sort of, you know, sever and 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 detach what happened directly under a broadcaster's sort of umbrella from the entire narrative build-up, which is. In and of itself, absolutely ludicrous, isn't it? Um, there was a there was a post earlier somewhere. Where, where did I? I made a note of it. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, interesting. The very nature of grooming, the very nature of grooming, if grooming has been successful, is that the groomee, the groomed doesn't know they've been groomed. So they feel they're in a consensual relationship. This is why it's so troublesome and so difficult to define, understand, you know, unpick, unpeel, detect, work out. And I saw someone on Twitter said something along the lines of, um, the very nature of grooming is to suggest that all that's going on between the groomer and the groomed is normal, i.e. it's a relationship, i.e. So if something sexual happens, it's consensual. That's the very idea of grooming. Which, which makes things incredibly complicated again. And I think people keep, it's like, it serves most people. It serves business, it serves advertisers, it serves schedules to just say, what happened here, over here? Well, you can't see what happened over here, past 19 or whatever it is age 19, you can't detach it from here. Or can you? Or can you? I just wanted to read. Elliot, hi Elliot, completely agree Mark. It's the fact you knew him years earlier and we don't know what happened in those years. Wouldn't be the same story if they'd first met it this morning. Absolutely. I mean, and the thing about this story that strikes me as really, and the, I, you know, we, what, again, as I say, whatever you think of Philip, the thing that was making me get a bit frustrated every time I see something on the news or whatever is, hang on a minute, Everyone's forgotten or is choosing to ignore that it's this bit. It's not about, I mean, if I'm honest, I think it does everyone a disservice talking about whether when they threw from this morning to lose, you know, you get lots of presenters who don't like other presenters. It's, it's the nature of the beast. I don't find that side of it particularly compelling, interesting. I don't think it tells us much. It, it's part of a bigger story about whether it's a toxic you know, environment and all that kind of stuff. Let me let me just read you in his interview with the Sun, and we'll get get onto the Sun in a minute. Uh, Philip Schofield talks about the interviewer says, for the first time in our entire interview, uh, Philip becomes incredibly punchy 
when I mention he and Holly have been accused of arrogance on the show floor. Philip says, how vile to say that we lauded it in that place. He rages. It couldn't be more of a level playing field, a level family. I adore those people. And I think to suggest anything otherwise is an agenda I don't understand. I mean, you know, from everything I've heard on the grapevine, that just isn't the case. But even then, you can be an arsehole. You, it's not a crime to be an absolute arsehole. It's not good and it needs to be looked at if you're creating a toxic work environment. And again, therein, the devil lies in the detail. How, you know, how do you define that? You know, a really brisk, brutalised, grumpy news editor who, I mean, I remember working for one years ago, who used to say, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. Just that kind of attitude could be described as toxic and it, could in, and, it, and it can intimidate you as a crew of, or a team of young, you know, aspirant journalists. It's like, oh my God, I'm not allowed to be, I shouldn't be affected by that. Do you know what I mean? So what one person's toxic is, you know, it could well be that editorially there are a number of people working on that show who don't feel it was toxic or they haven't created a toxic environment because to them it isn't toxic. As you can see, we're already ricocheting into a million different places. What was my question? Did you believe Philip in either of his interviews? Only a just over a quarter of you say yes. You see, my thinking around these interviews is the timing is interesting. Head of ITV going to, to the select committee next week. Uh, there's the independent inquiry is going to be done. I mean, I've already asked questions. You've got to ask questions. When It's like when the government does an independent inquiry. How independent? You've got to, It's a valid question. It's not unpicking anything. It's just like, how independent is it going to be? What are you going to be looking for? What is the purview? In what ways are you going to be exploring? If you're going to ignore everything prior to this person joining the company, is this investigation going to be of any, any good at all? I mean, what's this, what, what, you know, you've got to set out the terms of the investigation. How is it going to in, in investigate? How is it going to inquire? How long is it going to take? There will be a huge desire and hope in so many areas that this story just runs out of steam. And, and that's why I was kind of surprised to see all these interviews land last night with Schofield, because in a weird way, it very much felt like it was kind of, didn't everyone think it was kind of doing this? It was sort of like diminishing a bit and then boom. I mean, you could argue, I, mean, I think some people are arguing that, you know, in, in the public eye is better than not in the public eye at all. Just because you like him doesn't make him innocent. Very true, very true. What was that other comment just there? Uh, 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 all the trolling disgusts me. We live in such a toxic world, Hillary. I entirely agree. But you see, this is the other problem. To ask questions isn't to talk, you know, we'll get to the Caroline Flat bit in a minute. The Sun, the interview with The Sun. I found this really odd. I don't know if you remember we were talking when the story first broke. And it felt like the press were kind of carving up the parts of the pie. I would, I think Carol McGiffin was suggesting something along these lines of, are we looking at a, a sort of a publicly agreeable hanging out to dry of Schofield in order to protect what? I don't know. In order to just give everyone their, their sort of pound of flesh, feel that it's been dealt with, feel that he's been sort of, you know, you know, punished, his career is over, all that kind of stuff. Let's make sure that, that there's the feeling of that. And that for me, it feels like at the back of all of this, the whole, all of the, everything feels stage managed, even at this stage. Does anyone else feel that?
I'm not a particular, I'm not a fan of Carol either, Epsonton, to be honest, not, not at all. But I just thought it was interesting because for me, it's like no one is just one thing. Um, do you know what I mean? I mean, it's a little bit like just jumping ahead. When Schofield says this is homophobia, homophobia is in this because a lot of people who are hammering him are homophobic. But it doesn't mean that to be... So homophobes will be hammering at Philip Schofield and having the time of their life. But it doesn't mean that if you are critical or asking questions of Schofield, that you are homophobic. It just doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And it, this is a very sort of, a sort of neat way of trying to close down conversation and close down dialogue. And I have to say, that's what I want to get to in, on the whole Caroline Flack thing, because I think you're, de you're dealing in incredibly complicated, incredibly complicated and incredibly dubious sort of things there when you start to invoke stories of such a heated and heavy weighted, um, you know, sort of significance as, as, as Caroline Flack. So homophobes will be absolutely launching their rockets at, at Philip Schofield in this story. But it doesn't mean that if you are critical and don't believe him and don't trust him and think that there's something really afoot here, that you are homophobic, far from it. Uh, you know, so many, uh, you know, gay uh, commentators or people have said, you know, not only is this not homophobic, but they, there's a feeling that it was homo... That, that, that Schofield himself potentially used the gay card to kind of soften this story. And again, I go back to this thing, if it feels stage managed, not only does it feel stage managed, it feels like it's been broken down into bite-sized chunks to be fed to certain parts of the media. And that in that process, the hope is that everyone will feel that some kind of public justice has been done, that the media, has been responsible and diligent in calling it out and all that kind of stuff. And that isn't, that isn't about the dark arts of kind of... That, there is a strategy at work here. So I think it's really important when people say it's homophobic. It's not homophobic to be critical or to be suspicious or to be questioning of this. It's not a comment on the ways in which it's felt, and this is this again is a huge stereotype that you know. Oh, this is a thing that very much happens in the gay culture, and this is very much a thing that happens. You know, I mean, again, that in itself. I mean, I know a lot of gay people have uh, insulted that that Schofield was front and centre uh, at things like Pride and things like that. Do you know what I mean? So I think it works both ways. I think it works both ways. I, you, you can't just you can't close it down as homophobic. The age gap. I thought it was curious that um, <laughs> Schofield likened his situation to Leonardo DiCaprio. And once again, I think it's really interesting that they're trotting out these kind of, or he's trotting out these kind of parallels. Is not the difference. You can have whatever your opinion is on whether DiCaprio is with two younger person. Al Pacino has, is, is about to have a child with a 29-year-old partner. But did Al Pacino meet his, the mother of his child at kindergarten or a, a theatre school? Did Leonardo DiCaprio uh, actively go and meet his girlfriend uh, at her secondary school? I don't think so. And I think trying to, again, this is, an, uh, this is that part of this, this, I think there's an insincerity here. 
there's a disin it's disingenuous to kind of draw a parallel. I don't think they're the same thing. Um, I mean, of course, there's the whole aspect of Philip being married. Now, the whole, you know, we've talked a lot, and I, th I think we've said an awful lot. You know, the, 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 the people, the victims in this are obviously the person in question um, and uh, Philip's family. It's very hard, isn't it, when a public statement has been given by the person at the centre of a sort of scandal, if you like, like this, who says, I've lied, I've lied to everyone, I'm a liar, and I've lied and I'm resigning, um, to then know what you should trust. And it's very hard to forget, whatever you think of Eamon Holmes, his incredibly colourful description of um, Philip Schofield's coming out moment. And I think, I think an enormous number of people are very sort of uneasy about the nature of how he came out and what have you, uh, and what that does for, and what he's done for um, the gay community. So when someone says they've lied, it's very hard to watch this stuff and think, okay, well, yeah, yeah, no, we're, okay, I hear you, I hear you. And that's where I think you then get into, and this is a personal thing, we can't get into this, you either think, oh, look, he's, he's talking too low, he's playing it too seriously, he's playing it too dramatically. I mean, there were moments, I find the Sun interview is, is it, I find much more discomforting in, in a way than I do the BBC. And I, <laughs> a number of you said, I don't know whether that's because he's vaping. I don't, the vaping thing I found very, very odd. What do, you, what do you think of the vaping, guys? See, Sue Wood... Anyone who comes out on their terms is brave. But the feeling amongst a lot of people is that his coming out was actually a strategic part of this entire story being revealed. We have no way of proving that, knowing that for sure or whatever. But, it, but it, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. It seemed a bit disrespectful, Jennifer Winter, him vaping. I think as someone said a moment ago, uh, I think so. Annie Brownfield is saying he's he, yeah. Well, he's talking about he's he's talking about likening his situation to the Caroline Flack situation. We're going to talk about that in a minute and how dangerous that is as a both as a, a potential if, if true how dangerous that is and if and if not true how dangerous that is and that's all we can say. It can either be true or not true, but we'll get to that in a minute. It's like smoking. It will be his comfort blanket to help with nerves. You can see his hand shaking whilst holding. Sam Blake, do you not look at these interviews ever and sort of think, is there some stage management here? Is it, if I'm honest, I think the vaping thing didn't help his cause. If, if you know, let's, let's sit there for a minute. If I was advising him, I'd be like, I don't know if you should do, I don't know. And I think also a lot of people saying his future is, is black. You know, he says my career is over. I'm going to, there was a comment where he said at one point, I'm looking, going to be, don't worry about me. I'm going to be looking at the garden. It was incredibly close to, look, he, yes, he's lost all these things, but let's not lose sight of the fact that, in a sense, what I felt was happening a little bit there was by potentially throwing us the red meat of saying, I've had my punishment, then we don't need to explore this anymore. For me, the absolute rub of all of this isn't about whether people have romances at work. Me and Nadia met at the BBC. You know, this shit happens. He was married, though. This shit happens. And, and age gaps happen. Let's remind ourselves how we likened it to Leonardo DiCaprio. It is all about how and what he knew and what his relationship was prior to him joining this morning. It's all about that. It's all about that. Surely. 
And I think what is happening here is a, is a constant deflection, deflection. Because as, as this, uh, the interviewer for the BBC says, when he ran it like that, you could see even Philip Schofield goes, mm, yeah, okay, well, it doesn't sound great. Well, no, it doesn't sound great. <laughs> the other part of it I don't understand, and I'd like you to clarify for me, is if, as he says by, in his own terms, it was consensual, but I was at fault, it was unwise, but it was legal, it happened in a wardrobe in his in his in his dressing room. It he only visited his flat one one Thursday he can remember. If it's all those things, why is it a resigning thing? Why are so many people so close to him not coming out in his defence? If it's just that, that's the bit I don't understand. I mean, I've got my opinions. Hey, what do you think? What's that about? What is that about? Sorry, I've been gardening. That's why I've got those fingers. Um, Roxanne Martin, Morton, I'm not sure he understands what grooming is. I sometimes wonder, I mean, I'm jumping hugely off centre here, but someone, I was talking to someone the other day who was talking about how, you know, with Philip Schofield's brother, who, uh, paedophile, um, how um, for many people with the, if you like, personality disorder or illness or trait of paedophilia, for them, they're not doing anything wrong. I'm not suggesting that's what's happened here, by the way. Um, but for them, they've not done anything wrong. So they don't see it as an act of something wrong. It's an act of love in some, not all instances, but in some instances. Um, I think you're right. I think, you know, if, if grooming has happened, if grooming has happened here, then it, it could well be that neither the groomer nor the groomed know it. And then you get into a complete sort of, ooh, what's going on here then? Um, I don't know if... Also, another aspect of doing the interviews now, the other, the, the other aspect when I was saying, why now? Why do the interviews now? Is Obviously, there's the select committee. Obviously, there's the inquiry. But I'm sure somewhere running through all of this, there is... Um, a fear, a worry, a wonder as to whether the person in question could perhaps tell their story. And in a more cynical, you know, approach to things, is this Philip getting ahead of the story? Um, or if one can't definitively say it's the case, but if, say, there is a grooming aspect to this, could these interviews, which I have to say, this did strike me without me seeking this thought, it just sort of hit me, could you argue that it, the very act of doing these interviews and him actually talking through, he describes him as his lover. He says he's still in touch with him. I think he says he spoke to him two weeks ago um, and his desire to protect him. Could this be part of that very same process? A sort of softer way of trying to ensure that nothing more is said. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that by doing the interviews, he's continuing the grooming. But if he were, could that, you know, I'd be fascinated to know with a psychologist uh, as to whether that kind of thing is a thing. That, you know, that, that, that the process continues. Do you know what I mean? Beyond it. Um, so, I mean, you know, for me, none of it. Oh, oh now, this, this, this aspect. Uh, he first met him age 15 and saw him again when he was over 18. Do we know that? 
I mean, of course, this is the thing that interests me. It's like, how can we trust what Philip says? I think there does. I think there is an argument that some some focus has to fall on the person who ran the theatre company. Surely, is it Simon? Simon? I think I do think I, I think someone somewhere needs to investigate. And I, I wonder whether a sort of, you know, a sort of I don't know, a corporate inquiry is the right thing to explore that side of things. It is. Let me let me reiterate. None of this is a problem about two men. So it's not homophobic. Uh, of varying ages, though there are issues around human resources and uh, the, pa the power imbalance and what have you. But strictly speaking, there is, that is not an unusual, or it's not common, but it's not, an, it's, it's not in and of itself, I would have thought, a, a sackable offence. I'd have thought, you know, Schofield had to go to HR and go, OK, well, you know, it was your... it's everything prior, surely. Surely. My friend said, you just watched in a while some allegations from a young runner or something will come out at the time he announced he was gay. I don't know, but she, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure about that. I still don't think we know enough to be sure grooming played a part. We don't. We don't, Sheila, but we also don't know enough to know that it didn't. And I think that's the problem. But if Philip and co are so confident that grooming didn't happen, why resign? So many questions, so many possible answers. Um, Elaine Flew, he has many things, but I do not believe he groomed this young one. There are two men here that know the truth, both of whom have shattered lives now. I'll contribute no further to this misery. Well, I agree. And I think personally, Schofield shouldn't have done his interview because in a sense, I think this is now going to call out, potentially call out, the person in question too. It, it's tragically, it's a tra it's tragically sad. Um, which leads us, of course, to the final aspect of his uh, interview, in which he did describe his mental state, he described his fragility, he described the importance of his relationship with his daughters and the extent to which they have been worried about him and his poor family must be so, so worried about how this is running. Uh, apparently, I think one of his daughters who works at the agency that he represented him only found out uh, I think minutes after he'd announced it, didn't he? I think she found out at the, at the same time that I think he resigned. Um, now, of course, you'd have to be made of lead or titanium to not be feeling this in some way. But I have huge misgivings, huge misgivings about likening in an interview your circumstances to someone else's narrative. Um, you can talk about where you're at and how you feel. Um, and you can, I think, talk about how dark that is and how awful you're feeling. But I think you're getting into a very murky place because people are going to feel that one of two things has happened here. He is either invoking it because he actually feels this or he's using it to, in a sense, um, fast track people to a place of not saying anything or asking uncomfortable questions. And I think for me, this is a little bit akin to if, say, 
I mean, have, you, have we all had at some point in our life a relationship where you've wanted to get out of the relationship and someone else has said, I mean, I haven't had this, but I mean, you hear of it. And someone said, I can't bear my life without you. I'm gonna, I'd, I'd do something awful if you left me. And your, your, your line has to be to whoever is that's being said to is you can't live your life based on the fear of that, if that's what they're saying. And I just worry that what would have done him more favors it would have been would have been for him to talk about his own. I mean, he does, but to have talked about them without invoking uh, the Caroline Flack story. I think, I think that does both a disservice to whatever he is feeling, and I think it does a disservice to to her memory. I think it complicates things. I think it resurrects all sorts of nastiness. Um. And I think it does, it, it pops a huge question mark. This man is an incredibly skilled broadcaster. He, he knows the camera, he knows the public. I mean, I know, I know now he, it feels like he doesn't, but he knows how to press the right buttons. And so I think it's an, for me, this is one of the most troublesome aspects of what he's now done because, and I'll say this as a final thought on this and I'll read out some of your comments. It's really dangerous to use language or use parallels or other case studies like this as a way, potentially, or as a means, potentially, of stopping, preventing, or somehow weaponizing and making dark quite reasonable questions to be asked. Because what it does is it conflates anyone who therefore says, oh, I don't, I don't know if this is right or I don't know if I believe you. If you don't believe you and if you don't believe him when he says the Caroline Flack thing, does that mean that you're saying something really awful? No, it doesn't. It's like if someone was having a huge breakdown, say someone was being, say someone had committed grievous bodily harm against someone really badly, really violently, uh, and then went to court, but they said, I can't, can't cope with being, I can't cope with the judgment because I, I won't be able to cope with it because I just can't cope with it. Well, the judge isn't gonna, you can't just not deal with it. You can't not go through the process. And so as Jennifer Winter says, it's dangerous because the be kind mantra can become a silencing tool. And that's a really neat way, of, neat way of putting it. And I think that's the danger. That's why I think it was a huge mistake and I think he thought it was a short shorthand to invoke the Caroline Flack. I think that I, I personally, if he's, there was anyone advising him, I'd have said step away from that. But maybe they were advising that, and perhaps that's the danger. Is you think oh, that's a very, very, very loaded thing to say. Um, and of course, I think people are going to fall into one of two camps. You're, you're either going to think, oh no, the, you know this guy's genuine, and da 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 da. And people are going to think, uh, oh, no, he's completely, completely lying. And the truth is going to sit somewhere in the middle. The truth is he's going to be feeling real things because he's a human. And the truth is, is that he, as someone said, perhaps he doesn't even know where his relationship has been inappropriate. You know, maybe he doesn't, doesn't know that. We said the other day, maybe he's not even aware when he gets outraged at the sun for this so-called toxic environment. Maybe he's, maybe he's just not aware because no one's said anything to him. And that's that thing which you can get where you, you, you know, the idea that you can feed the beast or create the monster. 
Neve, I understand the trolling and hounding gets too far, but are we not allowed to hold people accountable for, accountable for wrongdoing now? This stuff needs to be called out, and yet we're told we can't because of um, a mental health. It's tricky. And, you know, I'm a huge mental health advocate, absolutely. But you, it's, it comes down to what's your, what's your instinct telling you? Has this been used in a slightly self-serving, manipulative fashion? That's the question I think when you listen to him using that, one should ask, rather than just going, oh, yeah, 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 this is it. I think it's important to say, oh, hang on, is it? I will keep going back to this until I'm blue in the face. It is all about what led up to what happened at this morning. You can't divorce the two. It's all, it's all important and inclusive and needs to be talked about. Final thought, lots of talk about whether there was an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement that they got this, uh, that this, this poor individual was asked to sign. Schofield sets the record straight, but doesn't really, because he says uh, there is absolutely no NDA, non-disclosure agreement, which is something that you get people to sign to say that you can't say anything about something, or a super injunction is something that prevents the press or uh, from talking about something. So Schofield says neither of those things were in place, neither an NDA nor uh, a super injunction. And then says, which I think is the most troubling aspect of all this, you don't need a super injunction and you don't need an NDA if, potentially, you're paying for that person's legal advice. This is the other most troubling aspect of it for me, is that if Schofield is still paying for the person in question's legal protection, could that not be, to all intents and purposes, without it being official, written, legal, a document or anything, some form of NDA or super injunction-y type situation? Do you know what I mean? You don't, it doesn't need to be signed. It's just, by that extent, if grooming has occurred, if, could the very act of having, looking after the person's lawyers not also be part of that? It seems a curious one again that no one seems to be really looking at, that Schofield is sort of very hands-on with the legal representation or the legal team surrounding the person in question. That in and of, in and of itself is odd again. So again, I think, you know, control, grooming, where did it start? When did it start? How did it start? Etc. Etc. And one thing I would say, and I said it before, is to hear a rumour is to not hear a fact. And when you are hearing rumours at the point that you only know the rumours are circulating around two consenting adults, regardless of age difference and power balance, uh, admittedly, there's not an awful lot you can do with that. Yes, questions uh, are still there as to how much Holly knew. Um, but... I've said it before, you know, you, you, you know, let's not lose sight of, of who's done what here or who has potentially done what here. I just don't think the right questions are being asked at the right point. I think um, homophobia is being, the homophobia card is being pulled too, too liberally. It's not about homophobia. Uh, though homophobes are attacking Philip, Philip that's two different things. Um, it's, it's a big age gap relationship. That's not the problem. It's not an age gap. It's not about the age gap. Uh, though that in and of, it, of itself is a problem, re-power balance in the workplace. Um, it is about 
the narrative that ran up to everything that happened on this morning. It's about the narrative that ran up to. Uh, and of course, whether there are any other parallels or any other examples of that. Could we be looking at, you know, you know, gaslighting doesn't just happen in the most obvious sense of it. You know, gaslighting can happen legally, legal, legal gaslighting, institutional gaslighting, um, all that kind of stuff. So, so anyway, I just think lots and lots and lots of questions to be asked. Um, I've run over, I'm afraid, guys. Um, so uh, we will do the quiz of the week on Monday next week. Share your thoughts below. I'm just going to finish that, that poll. Let me just have a little look at... Thank you for all your anniversary messages. Um, Ellery, I wonder what the young gentleman's parents are saying, that Philip is paying for his legal fees. Um, yeah. Uh, Claire Riley de Silva, I think it's really worrying because there's a level of manipulation here and the young man involved is being forced into the limelight to protect Philip. Or being forced out of the limelight to not sort of say anything. Um... Don't forget, if you've been successfully... The important thing is, if you are successfully groomed, you don't know you've been groomed. I mean, it's like, you know, when people talk about cover-ups, they go, oh, yeah, we look for a cover-up. There's no evidence of a cover-up. No, because it's been covered up. Um, Dawn Decker, I find it hard to believe his daughters have been with him every day when the mum who is a victim of his deception is not mentioned as needing support. Uh, uh, I think it's sad for the young guy, Laura Lou. Um, yeah. Uh, Adrian Waters, will Holly be on this morning on Monday? I think she's due to be back on it on Tuesday, isn't she? Uh, uh, Sally A, he's put a very big question mark over him. Um, Epsington, Mark, if the other party said he wasn't groomed by Phil and entered a consensual adult relationship, would you believe him? Well, the problem with this is, I think um, you would have to believe what he said. That's a good question. But as I say, the nature of grooming is, is that the groomee, the groomed, doesn't know they've been groomed. So at that point, I think what actually has to happen is an investigation into correspondence, uh, the relationship with the theatre school, the relationship with the guy who run, ran the, the theatre school, um, the exact sort of whereabouts and social media history of the two people involved. You know, um, that's where it gets particularly tricky. And, and, and there is a distinct possibility that one will never, ever get to the rub of this. And I think there is a belief and a hope that no one does because, uh, you know, everyone uh, in certain places wants this to stop. Um, so anyway, so anyway, guys, as ever, all your thoughts are absolutely fantastic, uh, really interesting, really. And, and of course, you know, it's important to say that you can ask questions and talk about these things without just putting the boot in and kicking, 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 kicking. It's not about that. It's just about, look, you know, there are things here that don't make sense or there are things here that are a bit questionable or dubious. Uh, and let's ask more questions. That's it. Anyway, guys, thank you for your anniversary messages. Have a lovely day and have a lovely week.